Nothing. Oh, doctor, I'm sorry. No, no. Be of good cheer. If science teaches us anything, it teaches us to accept our failures as well as our successes with quiet dignity and grace. Son of a bitch bastard, I'll get you for this! What did you do to me? What did you do to me? Stop it! Stop it! You'll kill him! I don't want to live! I do not want to live! Quiet dignity and grace. Oh, mama! It's the Lifers Podcast with Scott Lucas, Gabe Rodriguez, and Ben Reiser. And now, here's Scott, Gabe, and Ben. Put your face on on the side of the mic so you don't pop directly into it. Something like... Just tilt the mic a little bit, like point it a little bit away from like pointing the corner. Not up or down, just sort of sideways. Please bring pizza pronto. Right. Yeah. Maybe. How's that sound? Me? Yeah. I'm just turning you up in my headphones so I can hear you all right while I'm talking. But as long as you can hear me, I'm good. I can hear you pretty good when you get closer to the mic. I'm, I'm all right now. That sounds great. I need a taller chair. But that's well, right. Everyone's going to say, who's that? Who, that doesn't Do sound like Gabe. Gabe used to sound like he was talking into a tin can. Do you want us to <laughs> buy you a taller chair? No, I'll just raise the chair a little bit. Or I'm just whatever. I'm just pissed that you don't have the yeah. the scissor for next, thing. For I next was, week, set up your whole thing so you can Joe Rogan. Took, I know. <clears throat> I'll get it next week. All right. Don't take your time though. Uh, are we gonna do a pre-show after the show or before the show? This, oh, this is, is it, this man. Is We've been waiting for you. You, you, well, you, you, I, I you lost confused. track of time. I get confused. The Zoom invite said eight nine thirty. Yeah, and I don't do the subtraction of the extra half hour before. So I, I and I'm an hour ahead of you guys. So I don't know. I can't figure it out. All right, great. All right, well, there's a thing called daylight savings time, and you're an hour ahead of us. You you got that right? Yeah, but daylight daylight savings has nothing to do with it. That's right. You're right. It doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, this guy's come loaded for bear, as they say in the Northwoods of Wisconsin. Look Who at does? all that stuff behind him. Oh yeah, Gabe. Gabe, what do you got going on back there? Oh, I got the <clears throat> the Seven Seconds live album with 99 red balloons on it. All right. The Live Plus One, I believe it's called. And then okay. the Scorpions Tokyo Tapes live album, the live one that, from the 70s. That is a great record. That, that is, is a great Better album. than Worldwide Live. It is better yeah. by far. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And you've got the dummy right right over your That uh, is the dummy shoulder. head. I, 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 When I took a picture of that one time, I, I think I posted it, and some guy said, hey, I got the body of that dummy. I, I bought that from the garage sale. What are you doing with the head? And I said, well, I, that, I took the head one day when I saw it. I didn't know they were going to sell it or give it away or whatever they did. So I got to find the owner of this body of the dummy so I can get the head with the dummy. Or yeah. I get the dummy body from him and I keep the whole thing. But he bought it, so I, I guess I got to give it to him. Yeah, this is, this just sounds like a weird 
type of <laughs> thing going on. I got something behind me uh, in honor of our guest today. Uh, the triple fast, the triple fast action double cattlemen don't vinyl, which will not stay up there. So let's just put it down here. Is that an actual like tape measure or something? What is going on on the lower third? Of the uh, it's it's a it's a roller coaster. Uh, oh, okay. Oh, oh it's yeah. an image. Okay, I thought it was an actual right. thing. I thought it was three D. No. no, it's not three D. It's it's three D here. It's four D. What is it when you're actually there? Is it four D? I think so. Four dimensional. What is, what is the fourth dimension, though? I don't know. I mean, wasn't Marilyn Monroe in the fourth dimension? I think she was in the fifth dimension. I don't remember. It's better than the fourth dimension. Let's let's try to get through the first three dimensions, and then we can start figuring out what the fourth and the fifth are. So the it, the dimensions are what like height. Is this Link? movie in three D? No, but your face is. Now you now you now you screw Valley me Girl. Up. Valley Girl. Yeah. But that that's great, but now I lost track of what senses we were up to. <laughs> I mean, what dimension? Height and depth. Length, width, height, and then depth, depth is the f- length width. But I think depth is the third dimension for films. You're gonna be the depth of me. <laughs> that's not funny. No, it's not funny. Hang on. So, Gabe, you feel you, you feel good about your your first microphone foray? It's all right. It, it doesn't look as cool as as yours and Ben's, but it probably sounds just as good. When I get the windscreen up and the whole arm where I can just play it back and forth, not that, but I know you've had a whole week to do that. No, I, I got it on. Uh, when did I get it? Friday, Thursday? What's today? I had a couple days to play with it, but I haven't had any time. Today's so. Wednesday. I set it up, plugged it in, and it works at least. You hear that? That's Who the hell is that? Are, are you recording from a mausoleum? That's his dog. <laughs> That's the dog. <laughs> oh, my God. He's singing. That would be so cute if it weren't so terrifying. <laughs> oh my God. I don't know what the hell. Get out of here, you lunatic. Go ahead. Go, go, go. Go howl at the moon somewhere else. Wow. Out of here, little, you little goofball. So uh, we should probably mention that uh, tickets for the Local H Lifers Retour are on sale. Uh, starts August 31st in Milwaukee. Um, you can go to the website, our Facebook page, look at the dates, see if we're coming to your town. We probably are or close enough. Uh, and we've got a show, a drive-in show coming up in May, May 22nd. Where is that? In Schaumburg, Gabe? Yeah, right, to, right outside of Chicago. Right outside Schaumburg. of Chicago. We're still That's kind of close out. enough for me to come. Should I come to the drive-in show? I feel like I should. We'll see. Okay. You let me know if I'm allowed. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. Yeah. I'll let you know if we can squeeze you in there. Well, I'm not uh, asking. I'm just saying. Maybe I'll show up. You're not asking. I'm not asking. I'm telling. Yeah. You don't ask. You tell. I've already, some nice cold manner people have already offered like a spot in their VIP. They're like, hey, we got a VIP. You want to come down? Like, All right. You know, you're getting really comfortable with those cold manner people, aren't you? Mm-hmm. The- First the cold manner giveth, then it taketh away. <laughs> yeah. Scott, do you feel like 
do you feel like you'd be a good guest on that um, Hot Wings show? Oh, man. I could fucking kill Hot Wings. As long as I don't actually have to eat the chicken. No, they uh, do vegan wings all the time on that thing. Oh, I would destroy on that show. I would, uh, no doubt. I would be the best guest on that show ever. Is it a national show? I've never heard of this Hot Wings show. Oh, it's big. It's bigger than Barstool Pizza. Is it online or on TV? When did it get so big? I don't know, but it's huge. They, I mean, if somebody knows that guy and listening to this podcast, get Scott on that show. That would be great. I think it's gotten a little too big. It's gotten big. For my britches. Yeah, Yeah, it's very big. Yeah. I mean, even though I deserve to be on a show like that for um, as much hot sauce as I've eaten in my life, I, I don't think they're doing it by merit. No. But if it was on merit, on hot sauce merit, I would be on that show. Yeah, we should like- get some hot sauce people on this show, like the people who make that hot sauce in uh, Geneva, Wisconsin, the Hellfire hot sauce. Oh, I didn't know about that. That is a good product. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Their stuff. I, I think I've spent like a thousand dollars on their hot sauce uh, last week alone. Like <laughs> <laughs> Geneva. What? It's in Lake Geneva, yeah. People do want to see your hot sauce holster. I'll never show my hot sauce holster. That is, uh, that's just, not everyone gets to see that. That's a, that's a special thing. Isn't it just a flask with hot sauce in it? No. <laughs> Gabe, giving up the ghost again. What ghost? Well, G- Gabe, what is that? I'm behind your other shoulder on the in the on the shelf there, that yellow. What is that stack? Is that a stack of something? Oh, oh that's just uh, inventory. Product, that's right? the, yeah. those are Hey Killer CDs. Right. Yes, we're we're awaiting the the bubblegum colored vinyl of the Hey Killer third pressing, and that's coming to it. Well, it's coming so, in, in late May. So I have to listen to every single test pressing that you sent. Yeah, they say when you get a test pressing, and, and maybe John knows about this. When you listen to a test oh, person, you're supposed to listen to every one they give you, just in case there's a defection on one of them and not the others. Well, I don't know why. They should all be the same. But there's five of them. Aren't they, I know, but they aren't say... are they made from the same lacquer? Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, hello. <laughs> so just checking my levels. Yeah. How you guys doing tonight? Good. How are you? Good. Our uh, guest this week is uh, John Yellow. And here he is. Uh, and this guy, he's a guy who's, he's a true lifer. And he's a guy who's made more great records than you've had hot meals. And, wow! Uh, thanks. Oh, that's that's not mine. I've, I stole it. But uh, okay. we've been trying to get you on the show for weeks now. But here's the thing about John: he's always fucking working. Uh, our manager Eddie, who you know, John, neighbors. Uh, yes, neighbors. He was like, "Have you called John? When are you gonna have John on? When's John gonna be on?" I'm like, Eddie, he's fucking working. That's what he yep. does. Yep. You know. Yeah. Uh, we were talking. Hey, to you. Yeah. Great. We were talking to you about mixing our last record, but you were, yeah. you were too busy. I mean, you right. had eight records come out last year. Yeah, you- um, but also I will say you did it with Jay Robbins. Yes, right. Who I fucking love. I mean, I did a Jawbox record with him in 95 or 96. And ever since then, I've just, I love the guy. So I was so happy that he was doing, you know, like I would have loved to have done it. But when I when it turned out he was doing it, I was so happy that you got, you know whatever he's wonderful and he's so talented. So it's a right. win win in a way, you know. Right. I don't exactly. That's not a slight against uh, 
Jay, but you know, it was it was one of those. Things no, it was great. No, was I figured fantastic. you'd be like, oh yeah, that's the guy to do it. Yeah, it's p- perfect. But um, yeah, I really and I, but I was, you know, I, as a fan, and you know, I'm really good friends with Brian, uh, still. Yeah. Um, when Eddie reached out to me about that, I was like, you know, I, of course I was excited. Um, but you know, like I said, it, it like you said, it's that thing where, you know. If you're working, you're working. So, you know. Yeah, and you're always working, which is right. which is amazing. I mean, right. But yeah, Brian's not in the band anymore. No, I know, but I'm. Okay. But he was in the band for a while, <laughs> okay. and he, he was, was in triple. I met him in triple fast, but I know he had tenure with you guys, and obviously, friends, mutual friend, you know, whatever. Right, but, um, but but I still remember that when he was with you guys, and you know, I was psyched about that too because he's yeah. such a great drummer. He's a great so, drummer, but yeah. you were so nice. Like like we, when we reached out to you, you know, I didn't even know if you'd remember me or anything like that. And were you, you were just you were just like, "Hey, Scott, my man, how you doing?" I, I was yeah. like, I was blown away by that. Well, you know, we ran in the same circles for quite a bit. Yeah. And like I said, we did meet a few times, but um, I think we hung a few times. But anyway, but I, of course, I know you from local age and big fan. And, you know, and, and then you ended up working with Eddie, who right. basically lived in Jersey City, like not far from me. And I met him a bunch and he's a great guy. So, yeah, no, it's so natural and, and so perfect. Yeah. You well, know? you don't you don't live there anymore, do you? You live in well, Raleigh? Well, yeah, we moved down uh, in the summer of 2018. And it was, it was a bunch of things going on. Jersey City was uh, losing its luster for us. Mm-hmm. My wife had moved up from Raleigh in 2000, so she spent 18 years in Jersey City, you know, not near her family and her friends. And um, we decided, like, moving forward with then the 13-year-old or 12-year-old, that we'd rather be set up down here um, and you know school systems are different it's a college town so obviously yeah. i don't know if you guys scott do you have kids no okay any of you guys have kids okay ben has so kids the thing is when you have the kids and they get to be like almost high school college you know you really got to think about college and what i love about down here is that you know we have the system of the school system's great it's a college town so even the public schools are very strong um we didn't get that in jersey city um and honestly i mean my wish and and my daughter bella i would love her in three years to be in nc state i think it'd be a great thing for her the bonus is we were able to figure it out that we still have an apartment in jersey city we sold our place but bought an apartment so i'm up there all the time my family's up there my mom's in brooklyn uh she's rocking it still at 93 and um i go up there all the time um, we do a lot of our podcast gear club up there in Weehawken and, um, right. It right. just made sense. And, and honestly, uh, I home love of it is, down here. Home of it is what it is studios. Of, oh, is sorry. It, I think it is what it is in Weehawken. Yes. Ewe. Yes. And yeah. his, his studio is in the same building, I which that is, is pretty wacky. That podcast that you guys do is fucking awesome, by the way. <laughs> I mean, it's fun. It's great. It's one of the best podcasts about music that you could possibly listen to. The podcast well, thank Gear you that, Club. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. it, it you know, it's funny. I at this point, it is. Um, 
It's just, it's a great thing to do when we have time to do it. Because if you think I'm busy, my partner in the podcast, Stuart Lerman, is so busy. And like he's now uh, working on um, Miss Maisel, the -hmm. next season. And he just, you know, he's crushing it. And um, we do, we're able to get together and do things okay you know like when we can schedule them but but it's been fun it, it, like i said i never i never thought i would do podcasts but um we we're sponsored by eventide my older brother is uh, the executive producer and he really wanted us to do it and you know 70 episodes later it's actually pretty rad and and you know it's not like i said i don't think of myself as that guy right but but it is fun and it's conversational kind of like this you know so you know it, it's great so well, it's nice it's, to have somebody talking who actually knows what the fuck they're talking about. Right, uh, right. Which is good. Right, right. Which is yeah. good. So, cool. so maybe people don't know all the records that you've done. They fucking know the records you've done. But let's, let's you know, name some of the bands that you've worked with. Yeah. Uh, Cindy Lauper. Well, well, that's the thing. So here's the thing. Well, you know, you guys are talking about lifers. You know, yeah. when I was 17... So now we're talking 1977. My summer job um, was working at Eventide, and I was like, I did everything, guy. Deliver uh, delay lines to uh, to Electric Lady when I don't know Peter Frampton needed one. Um, I was. They called me the Rat Patrol, you know, in the summer, you know, when the basement and where everybody designed and stuff started smelling funny. Well, you know, it's on 54th Street and 10th Avenue in Manhattan. Clearly, there's a dead rat in the storage room. <laughs> Who's going to go in and find it? The Rat Patrol. Right. So I did stuff like that, but I even worked and, and put together gear for them. I did everything, and it was. It started off as two summers of work, and then I was kind of getting a little disenfranchised with college, with Brooklyn College. So I would pretty much finish my classes, take the train into Manhattan, and work there until like ten, eleven o'clock, and then go home. Um, and it was from that that I got the uh, interning or cleanup job at the record plant in New York, which when I started there in 79, um, they were doing Damn the Torpedoes, overdubs and mixing. Wow. So it was crazy. You know, I, I, I started at the record plant and honestly, I, I walked out of college and it was so amazing. I didn't quit. I just, I just disappeared. You know, one day I didn't go to class. And I never, it was kind of, I made it set up in the case that I had to do this for a career. I had nothing to fall back on. Um, And I worked for two years there as a tape librarian. They called them generals. You'd, you know, sharpen pencils. You'd get the rooms ready for everybody. Um, I was a second assistant on some, you know, a meatloaf record, Yoko Ono demos for Double Fantasy. And then I became around with Jack, Jack Douglas. Well, I started assisting. And yes, I hung around a lot with Jack Douglas. Jack Douglas was at my first wedding. Um, when I got married in, I don't know, 82 or 83, I was assisting for him. And my parents loved him because occasionally he'd give me $20 to take a cab ride home to Bensonhurst uh-huh. so I wouldn't have to take the trainer for in the morning. And my mother still, <laughs> like, like, but he, you know, imagine an Italian wedding in, in Bensonhurst and then Jack Douglas shows up. I mean, yeah. it's so not you know it's weird mm-hmm. but he's great i mean we had him on the podcast he's been great ever since i've known him i still every now and then text him he's a wonderful guy yeah he's um, great 
Yeah, but I was very, once again, very lucky. I got the assistant gig on the Cindy Lauper record. Then I started assisting for Jack on like Zebra and Aerosmith and Michael Schenker. And oh, okay, hold on, <laughs> hold on. Let's talk about this Zebra record, okay? Let's, oh my God! Let's Who's get behind into this the door. Thing. Yes. Yeah. Tell me what tell you me want. what you want. Yeah. Take your fingers yeah. from my hair. Yeah. Oh, I, I know no, every they, song on this record. No, they were great. I mean, I was like in awe, and they were young-ish. And Guy, <laughs> I think the drummer, me and him got along great. Randy was fantastic. Randy um, Jackson. Yeah. The like, Randy uh, Jackson. Not that yes. other Randy Jackson. The Randy <laughs> exactly. Jackson. Exactly. The Randy Jackson. Yeah. But they were also like so Southern, but gentlemen and, you know, just great guys. And um, Right. They're from I New don't Orleans. Know. It, yeah. Yeah. Um, but once again, and that record, I think, went either gold or platinum. I forget. I have a record somewhere for that. But but I was very lucky. I got, I, I, I got caught up in this thing where I worked really hard and... You know, I did get recommended for for gigs, and it was very, you know, I worked really hard. I kept my mouth shut. I did anything. I did everything they wanted me to do, um, and it worked out good. But I was lucky to learn from, you know, Bill Whitman. I mean, he produced the Outfield song, Your Love. Mm -hmm. um, um, he engineered the Cindy record. Uh, he engineered the Hooters. I got an engineering credit for the Hooters. They had a couple of hits on that record. Um, like I said, Michael Schenker, John Waite, Missing You. I worked on that record on the mix. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, Twisted Sister. I, were, I worked on We're Not Gonna Take It. I, I was the assistant for the tracking. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> Twisted Sister, We're Not Gonna Take It. Gabe, take it I away. Saw it, I saw it on the Wikipedia page, and I said, holy cow, I gotta look this up, and it's true. He's not making yeah. it up. Well, <laughs> the best part is, well, the best part is, if you look at my credit, and... Once again, I'm really young kid running around like, you know, scared shitless most of the time. That was the only thing that made me survive was I was just scared to get fired. Yeah. So I really hustled. But early on with them, they were like, what's your last name? Nice. Awesome. <laughs> but they were like in yellow. And then they started calling me red and it was like red and yellow. And they even credited me on the record. Like red and yellow, John red and yellow. Right. But they were so nice. And once, like, I hung a bunch with Mark the Animal Mendoza. We had, there's a funny thing where we we were tracking and I put blankets to baffle between the the entryway to our room in Studio B. One of the blankets was on a light. The blanket caught fire. We had to stop the session for two hours. The fire department came. <laughs> Scandal had to take a break, and they were doing the Warrior. Uh -huh. <laughs> it was a whole fucking debacle. But they were all out there laughing at me, like, I can't believe you lit the fucking studio on fire. I was like, holy shit, I'm going to get fired. I didn't get fired. No. So, anyway. But, but no, it was, it, I was very lucky, and it was a really great moment for the record plant because, like I said, Tom Petty was coming through. Like, there were so many artists that I grew up loving yeah, that were coming through. I mean, Grant Parker and I, I, I don't know. There were so many. I mean, Kiss came in and did, like, Di not Dynasty, Unmasked, and then maybe the record after, I forget. But um, Music from the Elder? Maybe Music from the Elder. I'm not sure. But that was a Bob Ezrin record. I don't that think was that was a Bob was Ezrin there. record, right, yeah. Uh, it might have been it might have been Dynasty and then Unmasked. I forget. But anyway, so was Jay Messina working on those records? 
Jay, I think, was, but I'm not sure who was engineering. But I did work a lot with Jay Messina yeah. on a bunch of stuff, and we're still friends. We we every you know, I mean, pre-COVID, a bunch of us might have a dinner. Yeah. Um, and we've hung with it. But no, I'm still friendly with him. I'm friendly with pretty much almost all those guys still. And I see a lot of of, of them or at least like occasional phone calls. You're a friendly uh, guy. It's a lot easier than being a douche, right? Yeah. I mean, if you had the choice, so I always say, I tell my kid, like if it weighs the same to be an asshole or to be a good guy or good person, why would you choose asshole? Yeah, you know what I mean, it's it, like, being a nice guy like yourself doesn't come that naturally to some of us, though. So I that, guess, but I mean, it just seems like it's it takes the same effort, you know. Yeah. So, well, unless you're an effortless asshole, you know, some people have that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I won't go there. I don't, yeah. No, I don't go there. <laughs> so what? So you were talking about like some of the stuff uh, that was coming through that you liked. What was your stuff growing up? Was it the usual suspects like the Stones, Zeppelin? Floyd or anything that would be surprised about? No, well, not really because I mean, I basically was, uh, I was raised by my older brother on Beatles stones. Mm -hmm. So like one of my favorite stones records is, uh, her satanical majesty's request, which is a weird record granted. Um, it's the stones reaction to, uh, Sergeant Pepper. Right. You know, yeah. they decided they were going to make a psychedelic record. Right. It's not a held, heralded record at all. But but I was into that. I was into the Beatles. I was into then Zeppelin, like stuff like Savoy Brown. But then I really got into the prog thing. Um, so I was super into Pink Floyd, super into Yes. Yeah. Um, so pre-record plant, so post-record plant, I don't have time to go to concerts. You know what I mean? Because I'm working like all the time and I'm getting out of the studio like nine, ten o'clock. Um, pre-record plant, I'd go all summer, go concerts in the city, you know. Uh, we saw the Animals tour, the Pink Floyd tour at the Garden. Um, I saw Todd Rundgren five or six times in Central Park. Um, so growing up in New York, in Central Park, there was a place called Woolman Rink, which was an ice skating rink in the winter. Mm-hmm. But in the summer, they had like $3.50 uh, general admission shows. Uh, and you'd have to just line up all day. And, you know, we lined up all day. We had nothing better to do. And um, I saw the Cars first record open up for Cheap Trick, um, Dream Police. <laughs> uh, I saw Bad Company's first tour open up for Foghat, uh, Mahavishnu Orchestra. Like I oh. said, Todd Rundgren a bunch. Yeah. But, but so, so that was my, my, my wheelhouse became uh, Prague. Were you a and, were you a Genesis fan? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Oh, crazy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All that shit. I was into like bands like Nectar, Gentle Giant. Yeah. Super Yes fan. Um, ELP, like super super Prague. Right. In fact, I was I was kind of a douche about Prague. Like when Rush became popular, I was like, ah, that's new Prague. Yeah. That's that's not like <laughs> that's that's the new Prague. Yeah, the old Prague's better. So. I, right. I did have my get off my lawn moment at like, you know, 28. And, and it was Rush. Rush yeah, was, was the rush. breaking point. Totally yeah. Rush. Yeah. Totally Rush. <laughs> they never get respect. You, it, wasn't it you that told me uh, to that Amused to Death by Roger Waters was a great record and that I should get it? Maybe. I mean, I'm a huge fan of his. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And I got it and I still don't get it. 
<laughs> well, that makes sense. So the I, the solo records are really weird with him, um, um, because like I said, they're give or take. I think one of the things I loved about Amused to Death was I think that was the first time he had done like binaural recording. Like they had mm-hmm. the head with the microphones and it recorded all the way around. Right. And I think they used a lot of that on that record. Well, he was doing the holophonic thing on uh, Final Cut and Pros and Cons of Hitchhiking. And is that different than the binaural thing? No, I think that might be the thing. So maybe it was the record before. But I think I was just a fan of his from Pink Floyd. And then he did all this cool stuff on on, on that. And I was just like super psyched. You know, I I would buy every of all of his records. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of the Final Cut and a huge fan of... uh, Pros and cons of hitchhiking, right, and then I kind of right. dropped off after Radio Chaos. And I remember you were like, "No, you've got to listen to." No, I was so into it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm you know, I, but that's the beautiful thing about music. You know, it's like my thing is, and I've said this a bunch. Like, I'm never anti any artist. I just don't get them. Yeah, but I love what I love. Right. Like, um, I even with my 15 year old now, and she listens to Harry Styles, Taylor Swift. And, and I don't trash the shit. I just don't. And I'm not saying I don't like either one of those. There's some cool stuff going on. The Harry Styles thing and the One Direction thing is very interesting because I hear these songs and I'm like, oh, they're copying We Will Rock You. Uh-huh. Or, oh, wait, that chorus is like a kind of Go-Go's type vibe. You know what I mean? Like I hear a lot of shit in the music I grew up with that they're kind of influencing and kind of channeling that my daughter has no idea what, what exists. Right, but doesn't it feel like they're almost getting it uh, secondhand through uh, uh, American Idol or, or, or something like May, that? Maybe. You know? See, I don't know anything. I, I've never watched American Idol. I don't have... Neither I mean, my, I. Yeah, but, but I'm saying my 15-year-old is, is in the last three years really, um, or two years really, um, embraced her own sense of what she likes. She right. used to like a bunch of the stuff we like. Now she's gone on this country music path. She loves Chris Stapleton. Um, so I'm now hearing things I would never normally listen to. Right. So uh, Country yeah. is like my neighbor here in Chicago, they listen to country all the time. And I'm like, right. who the fuck moves to Chicago to listen to country music? Uh, it, yeah. I, I can't, it's everywhere. And by the way, it's, when we say country music, it's uh-huh. not really country music. No. But it is now. Um, but it's fine. You know, I, once again, I'm not going to judge. I don't really feel like... I just, I'm just not going to judge that shit and just let people who like it like it. Right. I mean, I can, we could talk about certain bands I don't really want to name that I literally, who are popular like alt artists or whatever. And I just don't get them. And it's right. fine. I don't, you know. It's not for you. Yeah. You know, 5,000 or 8,000 kids go see them when they play in Manhattan or whatever. Uh, but they play at Brooklyn Steel. They sell out. Great. You yeah, know, but, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, but I mean, as, as like you're not making those kind of records, but you are very current. Like the bands that you're still working with. I mean, it, it's amazing to me that like you think of a lot of the people that were working, uh, making records in the 90s. They don't really seem to be working as much as you still do and with hip cool bands right the way that you do right like with people like right. kurt vile or the hold right. steady you're making ockerville Re- river records you know right right uh how do you explain that i mean i mean i kind of think it's because 
God, I feel like in the late 80s, I took a path where I just decided I wanted to work on records that I would like mm -hmm. and not worry about working on popular record. You know what I mean? Like I didn't want to, I didn't care about working on hit records. I just, I kind of wanted to work with bands I liked. That's how I ended up working with Dinosaur Jr. You know, like I was a fan of Bug. Yeah. Um, and Green Mind. And when I got the call for Where You Been, I was like, oh, I'm so fucking into this. Yeah. And I'd rather do that. And, and honestly, with Kurt, um, you know, Kurt, I was a fan of from uh, Childish Prodigy. And when I got the call for Matador from that record, and in fact, Mascus was the one who recommended me for the Kurt record. That makes sense. Because um, um, they've been buds for a long time. I mean, now yeah. they're working they were he kurt worked on the new dino record with them right um, which i mixed um but no i i i, I mean I, I made a choice to kind of not worry about cachet but just to work with artists that i really like but also even younger artists i i, I love working um with younger artists because i i feel like um i'm a father of a 33 year old and a 15 year old so when I'm working with kids who are like 23, 24, I know exactly how to deal with them. And my joke that I've been saying for years now is, those are the only kids that listen to me, the kids <laughs> I work with. My kids have never listened to anything I fucking said. Right. Those kids listen to me. <laughs> um, and, and you know, it's, it has, it, it, it just, it, it's a thing I guess I've just gotten, people feel comfortable putting me in with younger artists because they know I'll nurture them, I'll take good care of them, and I'll also make their lives easier, um, and I'll do all the heavy lifting so they can just um, um, they can just concentrate on you know having fun, right. which I feel like is the other important thing aspect of making records, which I would never want to lose. I, I never want to work on records if I'm not having fun. Right. I mean, I feel like uh, if I wanted to be miserable for 12 hours a day, I would just spend time with my family. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> but, but, yeah, but, but joking aside, but you know, I feel like, I, and I've, I believe me, I've, I've popped into sessions um, where you could cut the air with a knife and I was like, that's not for me. It's right. just not like my, that's not how you get to the end. I mean, I feel like you get to the end by everybody having a great time and, and just really enjoying the experience. Right, you know. it's supposed to be fun, uh, you know. Yes, and that's the other yeah. thing is people are like, what? Why are you jumping up and down and playing all that loud music and screaming? I'm like, because it's fun. You're like, yep. are you angry? No, I'm yep. not angry yep. at all. What was uh, working with Twin Peaks like? How, how did that happen? Speaking of well, working with the I young mean, people, that was just fantastic. Like we, it was I think 2015, and they had recorded the record themselves upstate. Um, they're all from Chicago, obviously. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and um, yeah, they contacted me. I was friendly with their manager, um, Kate Landau, and I loved this stuff. And honestly, you know, it was great. They were, they came to New York and it was really, really, really fun. I mean, they, you know, they were so into it. And um, I actually... It was one of those records where I have my preconceived stereo image of what the record should sound like. And I think within a day, I kind of got their thing, which was not my thing, and it worked out fine. 
What, you know, what, what was that? What was your preconceived well, stereo image? Well, I'm like a wide left right guy, uh-huh. you know, one thing here, one thing there. I think they were more like just things gel in the middle. You know what I mean? It's more yeah. like just a one big piece of music where I, I like separation. I, normally given my own instincts I would do that, but um but we got along great and they were psyched to be in New York and we had a lot of fun in the studio. Um um I don't know if I can really say this, but you know, they would like to smoke weed. Yeah, you can say I, that. It's no okay. secret. Okay, so but the weed. thing was, I would do all kinds of weird panning shit on the mixes because I knew they were high and I uh-huh. knew they would dig it, and they would love it. They're like, "Oh, when the hi hats moving left to right," I was like, "Absolutely." Yeah, you know what I mean. But it was that kind of fun experience where, you know, I knew they would be into that stuff because they listened to music like that. No, it was, it was fantastic. I will say, I I was you know, and I love them. I'm still friends with them. But I was I was hoping I could do the next record with them, and they ended up doing it with Ethan Johns. Duh, mm. he's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so whatever, it's all good. But I I I feel like with them, I want because I just mixed um, the the record I worked on with them. But I you know I would love or would have loved to have had a whole record to do with them. You know what I mean? Where we could yeah. do really fun stuff from the beginning. Right. You know. But but I, I I love them. I'm a big fan. I mean, they even they play. You know, whenever they'd come through New York, me and not not just me, my wife, my my older kid, we would go see them. We lo- we would love them. We were just so I- I- into into them as people and as a band. Yeah, it's a fun show, right? Oh, they're great. They're so fun. Yeah, I mean, like, they're all so fun. The audience is so into it. There's like, oh. yeah, I haven't seen uh, crowd surfing like that in a while. Yeah. All right. So here's the here's the most important question for you. Uh, how did you get the drum sound on those Dinosaur Jr. records? Hmm. Um, so the first two, Where You Been and Without a Sound, mm-hmm. those are the main ones because those are the two I did top to bottom. Right. So after those that, are the ones I, I'm talking about. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so basically there's a studio in Woodstock, or actually south of Woodstock called West Hurley called Dreamland. It's an old church. I've done, I don't know, a dozen records there. But the first, well, not the first. I'd done records before them. But I did roll up there with Dino to do those two records. So Where You Been, Murph played drums on it. Mm -hmm. Without a sound, Murph was no longer the drummer for the record. Jay played drums on it. Jesus. But, But Jay and Murph you know, Jay would actually show Murph the parts. Jay's right. an originally a drummer who then transitioned to Shredder. Right. Um, but the church is huge. It's all wooden. It has beautiful reflections. And it just sounds great. Um, and I will say that just positioning the mics in the right place and with the way either one of those guys played when they hit the snare, it was just so explosive. And I didn't try to tame the room at all. I just let the room breathe. And then I think I want, maybe on a couple of songs, we added a little bit of Lexicon 200 short slap reverb, like a, an old 90s, well, actually an 80s digital delay. Um, but um, honestly, it's just the sound of a guy who hits the drum great in a beautiful room. Um, I didn't jump through many hoops to get that sound. It's just the sound of the room. But also knowing where to put the drums. 
Um, I had a specific place I liked them that shot across the church, not the length of the church. And um, and we did some like gated room stuff every now and then. And, you know, I had this big speaker that I would put in front of the bass drum, like a woofer. Mm-hmm. So when, when the bass drum hit, the woofer gave it a real low-endy sub feel. Mm-hmm. So we would do stuff like that and have fun. But um, a lot of it's just natural. I mean, honestly, I, I feel like there were times when I didn't even use any external reverb on that record. That's literally the sound of the mics. So it's a great drum sound. Thank you. Well, I, I, I mean, I'm really proud of those records. I, I, you know, I was so as a fan of theirs to make those two records. I was so fucking pumped. Really quick. So where you been was an actually a weird thing where. They, I recorded it, and then they brought it to Andy Wallace to mix. Mm. And he mixed it in New Jersey, and, you know, he mixed Nevermind and a bunch right. of other great records. I, um, I recorded a Screaming Trees record that he mixed, Sweet Oblivion. Mm. We'll get legendary, to that. Le- legendary mixer. Um, but, you know, Jay hated the mixes. Yeah. And I, I went up there one time to visit, and Andy... You know, it wasn't like he wouldn't let him in the room, but he, he'd rather Jay wait to come in to hear the mix. And I hung out with Jay in the pool table room. And I was like, that's kind of weird. And then it turns out that, you know, we both went in and listened. And I was like, I think he's sampling all the drums. Like yeah. the snare was sampled. So Jay, he mixed the whole record. And then Jay was not happy. And uh, I had a conversation with Jay. And God's honest, true story. I broke out a cassette of my rough mixes before the mixing session. And I had a messenger send them to uh, the record company guy. And I was like, you know, these are the mixes, the rough mixes. They sound closer to what the record should sound like. And sure enough, they gave me like six days to remix the entire record. And I did it. And that's what is the record now. Could Jay not hear that, uh, like, he was using samples on Nevermind? He, Uh, he, well... He knew that it wasn't quite right, but it was Andy Wallace, and he really wanted Andy Wallace to mix the record. You know what I mean? He wanted the heavy hitter guy to mix the record. But I think at the end of the day, when they were done, he realized he wasn't really happy with it. Right, right. You know? Andy, he he did such a good job on that Sonic Youth record, uh, Dirty. No, he's great. That fucking record sounds so goddamn good. But it just goes to show you every now and then it doesn't click. It's not even, you know what I mean? The guy's a legend. Yeah. But it didn't work with Dino. So I lucked out because then they brought it back to me and I mixed it like literally all day and all night for six days, and that's the record. Yeah. Did you so. ever have a conversation with Andy Wallace about all that? Not really. There was nothing I would a- ever appropriately say to him. You know, I, I, the one day I visited, I was very nice to him. He's, once again, he's Andy Wallace. I'm, you know, back then I was, you know, little John and yellow. I, you know, what am I going <laughs> to, no, but seriously, what am I going to say to him? Yeah. Um, and he still went on to make great records, uh, yeah. to mix great records. So it wasn't like, you know, it's like one of those things where that one didn't click. And I got really lucky that I was able to come in and redo it. And then, it, you know, that meant a lot to, to me in the 90s. That was a good one to be on, yeah. top to bottom. So, Were, Did I rewrite? Did you sing on that record? Are you doing some background um, vocals? <laughs> is that you on there, I'm Going Home? No, it's not. No, no that's not you not on me. I'm Going Home? There is Hot, they did a cover of Hot Burrito Number no. 2, uh, I which got was that a B-side. Seven inch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. And then that's me and Matt Dillon, of all people, okay. doing the backgrounds. Because that was when Jay was hanging with Dillon a lot, Matt Dillon. Matt, they were like buddies from, I think it was from like ga when Jay was in gas food and lodging and stuff like oh, that. right. I think they became buds or something. Right. Jay the actor, that was something else. It was the 90s, people. You know, he's a man of many fucking talents. You can't, don't mess with that guy. No, not at all. Yeah. And, yeah. and Sonic Youth, I mean, you've kind of turned into Sonic Youth's guy. I mean, how well, that well, that once again, guess where that came from? Jay Mascus, because okay. um, they were looking for a producer or engineer producer for Rather Ripped. And um, Jay lived in Amherst, Massachusetts. Thurston and Kim lived in Northampton. They hung out a bunch. They were neighbors, practically. So Thurston apparently, because Jay told me the story, Thurston had loved this side project Jay did uh, called Witch. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a real kind of like Black Sabbath-y type record. That's one, by the way, if you, if you ever want to dig deep, you check out the first Witch record. It's very Sabbath-y. Okay. Um, uh, but anyway, Jay said to him something like, you know, if you like the Witch record, you know, and Yellow did that, just why don't you use him? And that's what kind of got me the talk with them and they had known me and obviously I was a big fan it was it was kind of um that was a tough one because they wanted to start on December 13th on 2005 and my wife was due December 12th 2005 and I said to my wife so look we'll have the kid and then you know give me a couple of days and then I'm gonna run up and do this and she was like are you fucking tripping <laughs> There's no way you're leaving me after three days. So I had to jump in that record kind of halfway through. Um, but my buddy TJ Doherty uh, did like a lot of the tracking and um, did a great job. And then I jumped in after my wife had, you know, had more of her sea legs with the baby. Yeah, I so. imagine you guys uh, just running into each other in New York or, or coming up in New York, but that wasn't the case. Um, but I knew them from being friends with Jay, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And yeah. I knew Steve Shelley from living in Hoboken and all that. It was just, it would just never came up, you know? So I was, and also, you know, it, it's hard with someone like me to approach them because they, you know, they made goo, they made dirty. They had so many great records. They worked with Butch Fig, they worked with Nixon Santa, all these great guys. Um, and it was, you know, and, and then also, um, God, I'm spacing on his name, but they had the guy, Jim... Anyway, but he ended up being in the band for a little bit, but he produced their records. Um, so they were always well covered. Oh, Jim O'Rourke. Yeah, Jim O'Rourke. Yeah. He was fantastic. Yeah. So, um, um, you know, it was, uh, I mean, I often in the 90s and late 90s would sit around going like, how come I can't do a Sonic Youth right? Like, I'd love to, <laughs> you know, but who, you know what I mean? When, when they're so covered with talented people, you know what I mean? There's right. no, yeah. it's a hard one to sell. So to get I, in I would, and, and honestly, I made the last two, Rather Ripped is fantastic, and The Eternal, you know, is a wonderful record. I, I don't think it gets the credit it deserves. Um, I still listen to it a bunch, and, you know, sadly, that was the last one So yeah. of, of the studio recordings. So Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, fucking, uh, you, you brought up uh, New Jersey, or, or I'm thinking... Maxwell's. Hoboken. Hoboken. Yeah, Hoboken. Okay, Maxwell's, so Maxwell's, of course. Gabe, didn't we see uh, that we saw Jay Maskus play solo at, at Maxwell's? And didn't they make a record of, of those shows? 
Oh, that was, I think that was Martin and Me. The Martin and Me shows, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, Maybe we, that was Maxwell's or was that a Seabees? It was Maxwell's that we okay. saw. Yeah, yeah. And he was doing like yeah. a, a, yeah. yeah. Uh, that is the only J record um, from Where You've Been On that I actually had nothing to do with because uh, when they needed it mixed, I was, I don't know, I, I, I want to guess working with Red Cross or something, and I just didn't have time, and they had to get it out. So they, I, I don't even remember who mixed it, but that was, that's funny. It's like all these records from 93 on, and that's the one yeah. that I just didn't have anything to do with. So, so it's wacky. you say you go back to like New York a lot? Yeah, yeah. My mom lives in Brooklyn. Um, my brother lives in New Jersey. Um, um, you know, I, all my friends, like I have friends there and I like working up there. So, right. Well, uh, have, have you been downtown at all? Like, have you been to like just walking around seeing if any of the clubs are ever going to open again or anything like well, that? Well, since the COVID, um, I haven't like when, when I go, um, I even did a record in Nashville where it's like, you know, um, 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 Airbnb studio, studio, Airbnb, you know what I mean? There's no, um, and even up there when I'm working, it's like, you know, uh, uh apartment studio apartment, you know, yeah. I, I have been very, I mean, I just got, we just got our second shots on Monday and we're no, re, uh, no side effects. Thank God. Yeah. Um, good. but, um, but no, I've been very, very careful about it. I, I, I don't need to, uh, go in the city. And, and quite frankly, the other aspect about being up there is, especially if you're working in New Jersey, if I'm in Hoboken or, uh, Jersey city or union city working and it's like 10 o'clock and uh -huh. there's a show at Brooklyn Steel. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna miss it by the time I get there. Right. And I've done that before. I actually got to a dino. Um, fuck. I think it was a dino show at maybe the Vans place in in Williamsburg. Remember, Vans had that big performance space. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I got there and they were loading out. Yeah. And I was like, I just spent like you know 45 minutes in the fucking car, <laughs> and like Jay wasn't even there. And I couldn't even say hello. Yeah. He can't so, win. No, well, but the thing is, like, at that point when you finish working at like ten thirty, you're not gonna make it to see the show anyway. So I haven't been to Brooklyn a bunch besides to see my. Uh, as I say, I haven't been to cool Brooklyn mm. in a long time. I've been to see my mom in Bensonhurst a bunch, but I haven't been to like you know Williamsburg, Greenpoint. Yeah, I just it's just been hard, you know, with the with with, with the COVID. So I yeah. think once everything opens up, there'll be more free time to do that shit. Yeah, I just, that's my question is like, what's going to open up? I mean, what's well, still going to be there? I'm hearing bad things about, about know, what Mercury clubs? Lounge. Oh, really? That sucks. Yeah. I mean, that's a legendary place for me. Yeah. Um, I know that the one place in Jersey City, uh, White Eagle Hall, mm -hmm. which is a newer place, it's only been around three or four years. In fact, yeah. they opened up a year before we moved. Um, we saw Kurt Vile there, Waxahachie played there. Um, they're starting to do shows again. Um, so I think they're surviving. But um, and that's a really good venue. That's maybe eight hundred nine fifty capacity. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I guess I guess it's the kind of thing like with Maxwell's, but different. Where if you're playing in Brooklyn and you're leaving town to go somewhere, you could stop and play one night at White Eagle and make some you know money on the way out of town, yeah. which is nice. Um, yeah. But I think that place is surviving, and I think I noticed that Brooklyn Steel is announcing shows. But that's you know, a massive place. Uh, yeah. I'm. I hope the music hall survives. 
Um, I love that joint. Yeah, we're gonna see. Uh, we're, yeah, we, we've yeah, got we're dates uh, in the fall, and uh, oh, I don't great! Know what it's gonna look like, you know? Right, right. All right, let's talk about Screaming Trees and Mark Lanigan. Oh, my guy. Yeah. Have I mean, you guys I, read his book? I, I, yeah, I was just gonna say I read his book, and it it <laughs> it makes he makes it sound like. I mean, that's that's some fucking book. But he oh makes it God. sound like he really put you through the paces. And yet, I mean, you guys still continue to work together. Uh, and well, we haven't worked in a while, but we're still friends. I did. I texted him a bunch on his birthday in November, I think it was. And we had a good back and forth. Like we. Yeah. Um, but you yeah, made it, records after uh, 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 Whiskey for the Holy Ghost. And the way yeah, the book I, makes it sound, it's like. That, that was it. And you were like, I, I never want to see you again. But that's not what happened. No, no, not at all. No. And, and by the way, in the book, he's very appreciative of me um, dragging him through. I mean, not dragging him through whiskey. I I just, I knew he wanted to, he, as he says, he wanted to throw the tapes in the river. <laughs> and I heard the rough mixes and I said, dude, this is fucking incredible. It will take two weeks to finish this. And this record's wonderful. Yeah. Um, and then he came to New York and we had a bunch of people come visit and have, play some fun stuff and we finished the record. But no, he's he's one of, for me, the people I've worked with, he's one of my favorite singers I've ever recorded. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, that voice is just ridiculously amazing. Um, but he's also, you know, one of the biggest fucking characters in a sense of just, if you read the book, you understand. I mean, he went through a lot of shit in his life. He, I, thank God, he survived. Yeah. Um, we did a record after Sweet, Obli uh, Sweet Oblivion that was shelved, um, and Don Fleming once again was producing, and I was engineering, and it was insane. I mean, it was just the amount of just uh, drug use and drug abuse and the fighting, and you know. At that point, I already done, I think, whiskey. So Don was like, all right, you're in charge of Mark. And I was mm -hmm. like, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I got the easy gig. Yeah. Uh, but I would fight with Mark about getting up and going to sing vocals. And he would like yell at me for waking him up. And I'd be like, dude, we're in the studio. You got to go sing, you know. But, but it was always, you know, the, it, it wasn't really intense at times. But like I said, I'll never doubt that he was one of my favorite vocalists I ever recorded. I mean, and and, and I do think in the book he's very nice with me. Uh, not everybody, you know, a lot of people get, you know, scathing uh, or right. even just like sidebar, like little comments. But he in the book, he's very nice. And yeah, you're not Liam Gallagher. Oh, and I remember that shit going down. Like I heard the stories when it was going down. Like we, you know, yeah, no, it's crazy. But um, but I did see him in Luzon. Um, I guess it was in 2015. I surprised him at a show or something, and I was there working on a record, and he was playing like the local rock club. I wouldn't even know what the name of it is, but I was. I texted him. I messaged him. And um, he put me on the list with the band I was working with. And we had a great, like, half an hour hang after the show. Like, he signed all his books. He had released this song, a uh, lyric book. And oh, then he yeah. brought me back to the dressing room, and we had a big hug, and we just talked about shit. And 
he's always very nice. Like he, he just would say stuff like, I can't believe after all I did, you know, to you and you know, the, 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 that you hung. And I was like, dude, I always, you know, I said, I love, I love you as a person. Oh. I mean, I could take a lot, you know, but he, but he's such a gentleman, you know what I mean? That he would acknowledge that, oh, you know, I can't believe, you know, you're really great. And I fucking love him. I mean, honestly, I wish I could hang with him. You know, he's such a great guy. And, and, and by the way, I did, I guess it was field music maybe it was 99 and that was the first record where he was uh clean mm-hmm. and he was a different guy i mean he was still kind of a lunatic he threw a ghetto blaster at me because uh-huh. he didn't like a vocal <laughs> but he but he missed which was great and right. uh but but he was still a great guy you know i mean he you know he's mark lanigan he just is what he is but i mean gracious guy real gentleman i, I and great singer one of my favorites oh yeah incredible like yeah. i i don't think a month goes by that i don't yeah. put on his first solo record the winding yeah. sheet it just yeah i just fucking can i tell it. you a funny um 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 a sweet oblivion story please yeah okay so uh we're tracking at a place called baby monster in on 14th street in manhattan so 93 or something i guess 93 94 whatever i think it's 93 but uh friday night mark uh we all break up we do, we're still cutting tracks and uh Friday night, we all break up. We all go do different things. Uh, Saturday, no Mark. So we start cutting tracks without him. Gary sings the, you know, reference vocals. Uh, Saturday night, we get a phone call. Where are you? I'm in Philadelphia. How'd you get there? I have no idea. <laughs> but that was it. He went out Friday night and woke up like Saturday in Philadelphia. It was like, okay, that's great. We'll see you on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, that will happen. <laughs> Well, I guess that does never happen to me. Uh, <laughs> I mean, well, so, well, sometimes I wake up in the living room instead of the bedroom, but I've never woken up in another state. Oh, well, <laughs> Philly will do that to you. I mean, one of my favorite shows that I've ever seen is uh, with Screaming Trees. Uh, I forget what record they were on to. It might have been Dirt or something, but uh, he threatened to beat up the entire audience. And, <laughs> and it was I was like, yeah. It was like, wow, this is I like this guy. the best rock show I've ever seen in my yeah. life. And went yeah. backstage and said, oh, hi, you know, Mark, I'm pleased to meet you. I'm, I'm a huge fan. He's like, what's your name? And I said, oh, I'm Scott. He goes, nice to meet you, Scott. And then he turned away yeah. and started talking to somebody else. And I stood there. Right. And then the person I was with goes, we should get out of here. Because there was that thing that I knew that if I stood there for 30 more seconds, I was going to die. And so right. it was... Right. But right. Great show. But he's he's not, you know, but that's the thing. He's not, he is, but he really has a heart of gold. That's the thing. He really has a heart of gold. He is tough-edged. But once again, like, no, learning where he grew up in, I guess it's Ellensburg, Washington or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like it's a tough place to grow up, you know? Yeah. So he is tough, but he really does have a great, he just has a great heart, you know? He's a wonderful guy. Yeah, Absolutely. So, was that the first time you worked with Don Fleming on on uh, that Screaming Trees record? Okay, so Don Fleming was in Dinosaur Junior um, for a brief instance. They actually they did a single where Don was in the band, and they did a single of the Wagon before they Dino did Green Mind. Okay, so I met um, Columbia wanted to sign Dino. And um, uh, the A&R guy who also had signed the Minutemen was trying to lure them to Columbia. Mm-hmm. Um, 
um, I guess it was, and it was for the Green Mind record. And um, long story short, my people at Columbia, who I had done like, you know, the Cindy Lauper, Hooters, Tommy Conwell records, they said, come up, young engineer, we want you to meet this band, we want to sign Dinosaur Jr., we want to pitch you to them. So I went up and met with them. Um, they decided not to sign with um, Columbia. I think Jay just didn't like like the brass up there. The guy, the guys were too mafia or something. Mm. But um, but I ended up meeting Don and uh, Jay, and then you know, lo and behold, after that, I ended up working with Jay on Dino and Don. I kind of engineered for him for about four or five records. I was his engineer. Yeah. So and one of those was Broadcaster by Triple yes. Cross Action. Yes. Which, now I mixed that one. Right. Yeah. Oh, you you didn't you didn't engineer no. on that. Who engineered on that record? I don't know. They did it in Chicago, I want to think, but I forget with who. I, okay. I'd have to Google it. But no, what happened was they brought that to me after um, after the recording, and then I mixed it. And I don't necessarily think Don was there at that point. I think Don had moved on to work with maybe Teenage Fan Club or something like that. I forget. I think they wanted to work with him because of Teenage Fan Club. So. Okay, so he worked. he moved on to something else. Something I, I forget else. what it was. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't want <clears> to <throat> shit on anybody's work, but uh, right. they weren't too excited about that record. And to hear them tell it, you saved that record by doing a bunch of crazy re um, reamping things and stuff. I did a bunch of stuff. And in fact, there was a funny story that someone reminded me of. It might have been uh, Brian St. Clair, where I guess they showed up to the mix and I was mixing, but they were like, what's going on out in the studio? And they walked out, and I had a bunch of things going to amps, blowing out and remiking. And I guess I just felt like I needed to, you know, add that energy, you know, to what they had, you know. Um, I wasn't, you know, I just did what I thought it needed, you know. But, I mean, I think I ran the drums back through the room and yeah. reamped the bass and uh, stuff like that. I, You know... Honestly, with me, I just kind of do, A, I just really enjoy doing unorthodox things like that because it's fun, you know what I mean? But if it, like, also, if I need, you know, instead of always hitting the digital reverb, oh, wait, maybe I can use this room I'm in that sounds really fantastic. Yeah. You know, um, I, I like just, just the way I think in our current house here, this is the unfinished basement, which I have a little studio area in. But in our finished basement, as you walk up the hallway um, to go to the main floor, the den, the top of the hallway is super reverby. So whenever I'm on the phone and I'm talking and I walk up the stairs, I'm like, shit, I should use this as a reverb chamber. This is like a great hallway. But yeah. it's like stuff like that. You know what I mean? I th that shit is in my head all the time. I'm kind of like nuts. Right. So. Right. Uh, well, so. And, and then you did Cattlemen Don't. Top the, to bottom. Yeah. Yeah, and, for and, Deep Elm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great record, dude. I mean, that- It just got reissued. It just got reissued, yeah. I wrote fantastic. the liner notes for it. Oh, that's amazing. I'm so fucking excited. You, you, you didn't yeah. get one? I got one. I got two okay. or three. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm psyched. I think I ordered two, and then they sent me two. No, I'm totally into it. And uh, it was fun dealing with them. And, like, I had to dig deep in all my- um, uh, my mastering CDs, and I found the, the mastering CD I had, and I think they used some of the B-sides from that. Yeah. 
to, yeah. to master. Yeah, no, it was great. It was, no, I was really excited when they wanted to do that. Yeah, Brian was yeah. very excited to get those uh, B-sides out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was great. We actually really enjoyed it. You know, it, it's too bad with them. I feel like, you know, that first record on Capitol, I wish they would have had more success. You know mm. what I mean? And, you know, then they left Capitol. And, and unfortunately, you know, being on a smaller label, I think that record got... Um, it didn't get the attention it deserved. Let's put it that way. Yeah, you know, but I think they were also they were, they were fucking sick of capital, and they were. Just yeah, no, of, I know. Yeah, yeah, apparently, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're not going to tell them what to do. What are you working yeah. on right now? Can you can you say? Um. Hmm. <laughs> yes. Okay. So. Have to think about it. I, no, I just hate. You know, I'm very. I just hate talking about things I'm about to work on because I'm. I feel like I don't want to jinx myself. Jinx it, right, yeah. I know how you feel. But, um, so right now, I'm currently uh, mixing, well, I just stopped, but I'm going to continue. So there's a band in Austin called the Black Angels, who I really love, who mm -hmm. are on Partisan Records. So I mixed a couple of songs for them, and then we tweaked them, uh, and it looks like I'll do the rest of the record uh, in May in um, Austin. And I really dig them. They're really vibey. They're very like, um, like psychedelic, uh, dark, um, but but kind of like a garagey psychedelic. You know what yeah. I mean? They got a really great thing. Great vocals. Great songs. Great lyrics. Um, and then on Sunday, I'm driving up. Believe it or not, I'm driving up to Minneapolis on Sunday to work with a band who I've worked with before called Night Moves, who are on Domino Records. Young band, I did a record with them in 2015 called Penny Days, which if you haven't heard it, I advise you to stream it or whatever because okay. it is fantastic. Is it N-I-T-E moves or is it N-I-G-H? It's, it's the Bob Seger okay. night moves. <laughs> great. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, but, but they're really fantastic. And, and the guy's got a great voice. They write great. He writes great songs. It's really cool. And that's kind of psychedelic too, but in a different way. It's more like ELO psychedelic. Um, but but they're really fun, and it's actually been really fun doing pre-pro with them. We worked on a bunch of the songs, uh, did some fleshing out. Um, there's a couple of really cool covers. I'm not going to name them because I'll get yelled at. Okay. But um, <laughs> there's that. And then um, what else? is There's something coming up in um, summer in Chicago at Electrical. Okay. But... But because the band hasn't announced the label they're signing to, I can't really say who they are. Okay. But that'll be like pretty much, I know you who know. It is. Okay, good. Well, anyway, don't say it. No, but um, but that'll be fun. Oh, okay. But uh, that'll be really fun. And um, that's kind of like, you know, pretty much a bunch of recording in Chicago. And then I think I'm just going to book over from Chicago to uh, New Jersey to mix it. So... I think what Jesus. what what is apparent now is that what's opening up now is the actual real traveling, you know, mm -hmm. because I think everybody's getting vaccinated. Yeah. And I just got offered a gig in Toronto, which is interesting, and that won't be until like uh, maybe end of summer, um, September. But um, but that that's fascinating too, because I would love to go back up to Canada. I, I miss being up there. Um, so your year is um, booked. You've got it all. Well, figured not out. totally booked, but but you know, I'll tell you, it's, it's interesting. I got to say, like I said, the vaccines, like the calls are starting to come in again, and also it doesn't hurt. Let me just get a sip. 
Yeah. Is that juicy juice? No. <laughs> <laughs> we're uh, me and my wife are on the keto diet, so. Oh, good. That, well, that's well, uh, me and my girlfriend the, are trying it right now too. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. great. Well, we've been on it since the beginning of the year, but that's tequila soda. Oh, so, okay. So yeah, I can have that. Keto. Okay, well, right. you're not supposed to, but it's the most keto. It's better than red wine. I thought whiskey but, um, was the most keto. <laughs> not. Okay. Anyway, so what 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 has been going on recently is because so many records I did in 2020 or early 2020 got held back because of the COVID. They're all starting to come out now. Um, uh, this guy Parker Millsap, who's also fantastic, he's from Nashville. Ronnie Millsap? No, no relation. No relation. But Parker, no, but Parker wow. Millsap. But his record comes out on Friday. Um, I had a Clap Your Hands, Say Yeah record come out in February. That's right. Um, Dino comes out April 23rd. Jeez. And then there's this wonderful singer, Roan Yellowthorn, who is Don McLean's daughter. And she's so fucking talented. That record comes out in May. And then the new Sun Vault, which I mix, comes out in June. Ooh. And then Laura Stevenson, who is this fantastic singer. You guys have to check her out. Her voice is beautiful. And... Just really great record. That comes out in September, no, in August, August 9th. So I literally have like seven records or six records that come out in like a half year span. And and the interesting thing about being a freelance is if you don't have a record that pops for people for a while, people just forget, you know? And then like the Dino record, every song that's come out, the two songs everybody loves and Parker's record, uh, the first single, Real Thing, came out. And it was like, at one point, it was number one. I had to mute that shit. It was number <laughs> one. It was number one on the uh, Triple H. Wait, the uh, the alternative, the Americana chart. Sorry. Okay. Um, so he's doing great. And there's like going to be a billboard in downtown um, Nashville. Like he's got all these great like placements and stuff. So. So the point is that once people see shits going on, they're like, oh, that guy, uh, John and Yellow, we got to get that guy, right. you know? So so there is something to that, you know, like having, you know, being associated with records that are just getting a little more profile, you know? And then people remember you're around, so then you get calls, so. Yeah, because if there's one thing that you're not doing enough of is working. <laughs> well, you know what's even more fucked up is now that I've got the home studio where I can actually mix it, and I've been doing a bunch of stuff like that too. Uh -huh. Now it's like I could actually just sit at home and do it, which I never, you know, living in New Jersey, I never had a space in my house to, to set up a, you know, like I have like, I don't know, 500 square feet in this unfinished basement. Um, I could never do that in Jersey City with the square footage I had. Um, so now I can even work at home, you right. know, which is... Uh, um, in a way, but it's great in a way because, you know, I could, you know, I'll mix something for a band and, and I'll text them and say, hey, I've got to take my kid to physical therapy. I'll be back in an hour. And they don't give a fuck. Right. You know, it's like, so this has been really good. Yeah. You send it out and they drive around and listen to it or yeah. whatever. Yeah. But also, or like I work with a really great band from Sweden called Omni of Halos and we mix like, you know, five songs in a week, but it was like, you know, I text the guy and say, hey, you know, my wife wants me to go do this. Uh, I'll send you the song tomorrow morning. And he's like, okay. <laughs> you know, when you work at home, people don't, <laughs> there's no clock, you know. 
There's right. no like, oh, I'm paying you know a thousand dollars a day for studio time. Right. They're not on your shoulder. Look, right. Looking at it. So right it's now. like all everybody's chill. It's like really fantastic. Uh, ben, Gabe, you got any questions to ask John? I feel like I've completely, I, I, I haven't let you guys in at all. <laughs> I just had a comment, but it wasn't really a question. It was more like, you know, these, these guys we bring in that are producers, I don't think people, you know, the, the regular casual fans, I don't think they understand how, how big these people are in, in the industry and, and how much they really are lifers. And yeah. it, all the all the records that we we're talking about, I, I probably have... 20 of them in my in my collection sitting back here with his name on it you know john and yellow and i'm like yeah i, I don't know him but now i feel like i do and i've known him for a long time yeah well that's yeah. the whole point so you've you know been, that's you've been a part of my life for for 20 years and i didn't even know it and now here we are you know but but also honestly for me like i, I love i mean I, all right i did get kicked off twitter because i hated a certain ex-president but um <laughs> But with, you know, Instagram and Facebook, like, you know, I, I, I'm on the Dinosaur Jr. fan appreciation page. You know, I'm on a lot of those pages just as another member, and I'll post stuff for them, and they love, like, hitting me back, you know? And it's like, it's about, you know, I feel like I'm lucky to do this. I'm lucky to have made a lifetime doing this. But, you know, all, all you guys who buy the records, and I say, if you guys didn't buy the records, I'd be, you know, fucking, I'd be screwed. But also with the artists, you know, if it wasn't for them, I would be recording silence. You know what I mean? So, no, but yeah. it's true though. So yeah. for me, I do love it. And, and I, I always try to bring, you know, extra to the, to the record, you know, too much. And then you figure out what you want to use and what you don't. But no, I mean it's it's uh, you know it's all we're all you know we're all in it together. I can't do it alone. You know I'm not I'm not the artist. It's not my record. It, it's not going to say John and Yellow. It's going to say Dinosaur Junior, Kurt Vile, you know Roan Yellowthorn, whoever the the hell it is. And maybe so. that's the secret. Like I mean, you know they do have a choice, but they keep going to you, and you know I mean it, well some of them don't, and that's fine. Uh -huh. You know, like that's the other thing. I try not to get um. You know, like I said about the Twin Peaks thing, I mean, I would love to have made that second record with them, the next record with them, but but it's fine. They all have a choice, you know. I don't get too butthurt. There might have been one or two instances where I've gotten a little butthurt, but it was the way it was delivered, the news was delivered, and maybe it wasn't the most respectful way. But even when Kurt, you know, wanted to do the record after uh, um, Waking on a Pretty Days, um, um, I was like, okay, he wants to do it himself. That's cool. Yeah. You know, it's like, what, what am I going to say? No, no, you have to use me. You yeah. know, at the end of the day, we're still friends. You know, I could text them and we're still buddies. It's like, I, you know, it's fine. I, and the other thing that I think about is, is like, especially like with Kurt or the whole steady, because the same thing happened. I did the two with the whole steady and then they decided to start making them themselves. It's like, you know, that's great. Good for them. I mean, the great news is they can't take away the two I did with them. Like, I'm always going to be involved with it. I'm associated with those. So they can go make as many records as they want, but I've got credit on two great records that they put out. So right. can't lose there. So No. You've got credit on one of my favorite albums by one of my favorite bands, and I don't know how the, what the experience was like, but it was one can of I, Can I guess? Let me, you want me to guess? Sure. 
No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, uh, I thought he was going to guess. <laughs> no. I was about I to be know. impressed, my man. Yeah. No, I'm not that impressive. <laughs> uh, Red Cross phase shifter. Oh, of course. Got any stories about that session? Yeah, they're fantastic. They were fantastic. Um, I mean, I loved working with them too. I mean, they were so great. Um, uh, the two brothers. Yeah. Jeff and um, Steve. Jeff and Steve, they were so in sync the way they sang. You know, Jeff singing lead, Steve harmonizing. It was fantastic. They were also, um, I think they were also, I want to think they were all sober at that point. Like, mm. and the amount of chocolate eaten during that record mm. and candy <laughs> was out of control. But the songs were great. They played great. They were so much fun to work with. Um, I think we started, um, I forget what song, but there was a game called Pit that we played at Ocean Way all the time um, on breaks. And then, like, they were so much fun, they decided to record a segment of it and start a song with it. And it was like the climax of the game ending. And it starts the song. I think it's visionary. It starts with a visionary. Yeah. Um, but they were really fun. The other thing I will say is I really... I didn't learn a lot about harmonies from them, but you know, they really kind of, they made me think about harmonies a lot. Like after that record, I started like listening to music and trying to sing harmonies over every song I heard. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't done that before that record. And I give, I think it was just because they were so in tune and so good at it. Um, no, we, I mean, it was a pretty, that's a pretty powerful sounding record. It really jumps a lot. And I, I'm so psyched I was able to do it with them. And they were another one where they did the next record and somehow either I wasn't available, they used somebody else, but then they, oh yeah, they tried to use the guy from that, oh, who's the guy from that, whatever band. Um, but um, it was a popular rock band at that point. But then they asked me to come in and help them fix it. And I happened to be working, I think, on a Mike Johnson record, who was the bass player from Dino, so I couldn't do it, um, which was unfortunate. But once again, still, um, I haven't talked to those guys in a while, but very cordial, very friendly, you know, like good, good yeah. times with them. Fun I love guys. that record. Fun guys. They really too. are. They're yeah. really fun. You worked on yeah. that vinyl TV show, right? Mm. What'd you do on that? <laughs> so and was Scorsese there? He was not there, not at all. God damn it. But um, the guy who is um, the, mu the the music coordinator, uh, Randy Poster, who yeah. still does a bunch of stuff, he's like huge. I don't think um, yet you, they can have a movie out that he doesn't do the. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah, so it's crazy. We, uh, we did have him on Gear Club, uh, and we released it about three or four months ago. He was fascinating to talk to. Stewart works with him a bunch. He's like just so on his game. It's crazy, but he was there. But um, it was kind of like this all-star band, and it ended up being the demos for the first, for the pilot. Mm -hmm. But then they ended up using a bunch of that as, you know, recordings. But it was like an all-star cast. It was Don, it was um, Steve Shelley playing drums, one of the guys from uh, Yola Tango, uh, James. I'm trying to think who else. But yeah, we knocked it out at the Sonic Youth Studio in like three days. We just did all these all these different songs, and then they used clips from them. Okay. And this was before, but this is before the show was even a show. You know, they were still working on the pilot. 
Like, I had no idea what this was going to be until I saw the first episode. I was like, yeah. oh, cool. Yeah, so, I thought it was yeah, going to be uh, the TV show of uh, Please Kill Me or something like that. I, I thought know. that's what they're going to try to do. What What happened? I don't know. It's just, it, it just, everything was in place and I don't know. It just didn't happen, did it? And, and what did you do did. on the uh, I'm Not There soundtrack, the Todd Haynes thing? Oh, um, well, I did the Sonic Youth version of, I guess, I'm Not There, the uh -huh. Sonic Youth song. Yeah. And then I might have done a whole steady song too for that. Those Todd Haynes to soundtracks are always so good. Like that Velvet Goldmine yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. So good. But wow. you didn't do anything with, with Bob Dylan on that? Or was that something else that you did? I did um, Series of Dreams, which was a B-side from... You guys are digging deep. I'm trying to have a hard time remembering a lot of the titles. <laughs> but there was a Dylan record he did with um, the U2 producer. Um, Daniel Lanois? Yes, with him. And um, a Series of Dreams was a, from what I remember, was a B-side. They didn't use it. But then he got the Lifetime Grammy thing at 88, and they wanted to use that song as the kind of, you know, him, him walking on music. Right. Um, so I mixed that. I co-mixed that with my mentor, Bill Whitman. And then um, the producer of that mix was Rick Chertoff, who produces Cindy Lauper stuff. So it was very much a Columbia coordinated thing, um, but yeah, I just I I was the co mixing engineer, and um, there was an instance where we they submitted the mix, and then I guess a week later Bob got back to them and said we used the wrong lyric in the second verse. Um, I guess there were just multiple takes, and nothing was really labeled master, so they picked just the, whatever the version. <coughs> But I had to go back, and this is um, manual, you know, recall, 88. Right. But neither Rick were Bill around, so I had to go in for, it took me a whole day to redo the second verse with the correct vocal, right. as opposed to mixing the whole song, which took the whole day. Right, You right. know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, but we got it, I got it right, and they, they, they were fine with it, but... Um, but yeah, I was basically working with my mentors, you know, but I was co-mixing. Co I, I think I got a co-mixing credit. Right. So. I mean, I, I mean, come on, you're working with Dylan. I, was that, I mean, who was the- he was, never, he was never there, by the way. He was in L.A. Okay. That was when, he, in his L.A. period, where he just lived there and, you know, I, I guess just chilled out by the pool or whatever. I, I don't know personally. I'm just saying he was very much- like we found out a week later we had the wrong vocal and they needed it for the Grammys, so I had to get that shit done like pronto. Yeah. You can't fuck up yeah. Bob Dylan's lyrics. That that just well, not. we didn't know. That's the yeah. thing. Once again, like I, no one really knew it was a B side, you know. <laughs> so there were like vocal one, two, three, four, and five, and it was like we think this is the best one they use. I I didn't think that the producer Rick did, and he was probably right, but it was just didn't have the right lyrics. Right. So. So when was the last time you worked with somebody that you were kind of like intimidated by? Well, I will tell you that I was lucky that with Bob Dylan, he wasn't there because if he would have walked in a room that I was working with, I would totally shit my pants. Mm -hmm. I give uh, I give like my buddy Chris Shaw, who's done a lot of work with him. Chris Shaw, give, yeah. Yeah, I give him a lot of credit because I could never hold my bowels in the mm -hmm. same room. Like I just would, you know, I almost with Dylan... 
it's maybe better off I don't work with him because God, yeah. I'd be so fucking nervous. You know what yeah. I mean? Like he just is so intimidating to me. Um, I don't know. You know, like I said, the nice thing about working with the younger group is that you kind of grow with them. So then when they become somebody like Kurt, when Kurt, you know, we saw Kurt at White Eagle, I don't know, in 20, the summer of, only oh, the summer of 2018, actually, like around Father's Day. And it was so great. Me and him were talking in front of the venue and like all these people I know was like, you're talking to Kurt Vile. And I was like, yeah, me and Kurt are fucking buddy. Like, it's yeah. like, oh, this is my friend, David. He's like, hey, David. Like my friends were like freaking out. Like we were just hanging out talking. Right. And then after the show, we went downtown and I, you know, we went out for drinks, a bunch of us. And like all my local Jersey City friends are like, oh, my God, you're with Kurt Vile. I was like, yes, I'm with Kurt Vile. Of course, you know, I've worked with him. That's right. But anyway, but my point is like, I don't really miss. I don't know. I don't I don't miss having those moments. I guess if you wanted to know one of the big ones was I assisted on. um some alternate mixes for Born in the USA that never got used. Oh, yeah. um, so I got to hang with the boss for a few days. <laughs> uh -huh. I got oh. him to, to, to sign a poster for me from the bottom line, which I had had since that bottom line show in like 75. Wow. Um, that was pretty amazing. Yeah. Like he was like, that blew me away, I will say. Didn't um, he put out some like dance remixes off that album? I think those weren't the ones I worked on. Okay. So what happened was they were going to go, like they were looking for an alternative for Bob Clear Mountain mixing, and they approached my mentor, Bill Whitman. And Bill, and I assisted, Bill mixed like three songs, like Bobby Jean and uh, uh, Cover Me and maybe Born in the USA. But they ended up going back to Clear Mountain. They were happy with him. But like I said, I got to spend like four days in the studio with him. Um, that was fantastic because I was a huge fan. I'm trying to think of who. I don't know. I, I have to really think yeah, about. Yeah, it's it. one of those questions. I, I yeah, th that makes you blank out. I well, you know, uh, I oh, really quick. No, really quick though. As an assistant again, I was actually super stoked to work on two Michael Schenker records. I was a huge UFO fan as a kid. Yeah, and and like he was a mess. He would be wasted the whole time. But like sitting on the couch, like listening. But then if you handed him a guitar, he would just be like, it would be magic. And be like, wait, you don't even have to, you could be unconscious and you could just shred. It <laughs> right. was the craziest thing. But I had all like a bunch of the UFO records, like Lights Out and all that shit. And then I had the early, the first two UFO, uh, uh, Michael, uh, Michael Schenker group records. And then when I got booked on that gig and uh, Jack Douglas was producing. Okay. And like I told Jack, you have no idea how huge this is for me. Like I <laughs> fucking like I idolize this guy, yeah. and it was fantastic. And he was super nice. Like I said, a little bit wasted, you know. Like, but but I mean, people partied in the eighties. The eighties were, you know, that was a lot of there was a it lot was, of money, a lot of budgets. It was a glorious time. Well, it was kind of wasteful at times. Yeah. Did you <laughs> so, work on uh, what Captain Nemo? Was that the record that Captain Nemo was on? The Michael I, I worked on Built to Destroy. Okay, I think Captain Nemo might have been on that record. I'm not sure if that was on it, but I, and then I worked on a live record after that. So both mixing, both a system for mixing. Yeah, you're the second person that we've had on the show who uh, is a huge UFO fan. Yep, 
Yeah. yeah. Lights Out is like one of my favorite songs ever. Yeah. It's, it's so great. Awesome. Phil, Phil, is it Phil Moog or Phil Moog? Uh, you know what? I say Moog, but, uh, you know, <laughs> Moog or is it Mog? Mo- yeah. Mo- yeah. Mogger? Mogger Fogger? Yeah. yeah. Is it Bob well, Mould dude, or Bob Mould? Bob Mould. No, it's Bob Mould. Well, John, you're the man. Thank oh, that's you. cool. Oh, Thank great. you for doing this. Well, thanks for having me. You know. This is fun. And then if I'm out there in Chicago, you know, in summer. Please. Yeah, that would be great to see I you. I might have to, like, say hello. Yeah, that would be, that'd be terrific.